You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Krista Blaylock. She is the president and co-founder of Flourish Kenya. Krista, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Flourish Kenya? How did you get started and, and what have you guys been up to lately? And then kind of dive into what God is doing through you guys currently. Sure. Um, so Flourish Kenya is, um, we operate in rural Kenya, Southwest Kenya, and we uh, operate to prevent and support unplanned teen adolescent pregnancy and HIV AIDS. And so what that means is we are engaging the youth um, in ways to, to prevent pregnancy. Um, they currently have a greater than 40% teen pregnancy rate between the ages of 10 and 19 in their wow. area. Yeah. And so um, HIV rates are a little bit harder to track down because they are so rural and uh-huh. it's extremely taboo to talk about it and especially to be tested, even though it's available in any type of treatment. So the way we go about our prevention and our support is we have a, a custom written and, and put together curriculum for a sexual and reproductive health program. And that's done by local educators and facilitators that were born and raised in this village. And they go to local schools and partner with mostly secondary school. So in, in Kenya, that's considered high school, um, like grade class nine through 12. And okay. they go and do um, like a class, an hour on a, a rotating schedule. So depending maybe weekly or monthly or biweekly and go in and teach through a curriculum of um, puberty, uh, anatomy and physiology, uh, down to human rights, consent, and through all of those topics into sexuality and HIV/AIDS. Uh, so that's the the first way that we're doing to prevent is through that education. And then we also have a sponsorship program for vulnerable youth and their families that helps a girl and now uh, two boys that we've we've taken in. We learned last year a statistic that if we can keep a girl in high school in Kenya, we can prevent pregnancy, teen pregnancy, between 60 to 80%. So just, yeah, I mean, it's astonishing just by her being in school um, can help her not get pregnant because she's in school and- Got something to do. Got something to do. And if if you know anything about the education system in Kenya, it is intense. 
um, mm-hmm. high schoolers, most of them bored. And they go from, they take 12 classes at a time. And so they are up, got up with the sun and asleep with the sun. And they are, you know, studying and in class that whole entire time. So it really is an intense education system. So there's really no time for much else. Yeah, not a lot of time to... <laughs> To have your idle hands. That's right. And so <laughs> um, in in this in this area that we're at is very rural. This is, you know, um, they live well below the poverty line in Kenya of less than two dollars a day. So mm-hmm. when when girls stay home, they are helping with the the household cho- household chores, um, mm-hmm. helping take care of younger siblings. We work with the Maasai tribe, and so they are still, half of them still um, practice polygamy, and so that's having, you know, more than one wife, two, three wives, Mm -hmm. and they still um, have things like a dowry system. So these young girls, if they are not in school, they can be married to an older gentleman an older man, an elder in the, in the community and lose her education that way. Uh, so by partnering with these families that want their girls to go to school, but really have no resource or no money to send them. Another thing with the education system in Kenya is that once you get to that level of high school, it's not free. And so, right they can't afford to send them. So we provide the school fees for the girl, um, all of her items and supplies that she has to bring. And we also work with that family in some things to improve the homestead and hopefully uh, maybe some business opportunities for that family to make some income so that the other kids coming up into high school won't need sponsorship as well. Mm. So that's a prevention um, also uh, on our prevention side. And then we have plans for a safe house in the future, a kind of a rescue center rehabilitation. It unfortunately in this community as well, when a girl does become pregnant because of the the poverty situation and a lot of misconceptions and old traditions and taboos surrounding sex before marriage um, and and really another mouth to feed if that was to happen um, a, a young girl can be kicked out of her home and she can no longer attend school because they just don't have the resources to keep a young pregnant girl in school. Right. Um, and so she's often forced into a lot of really terrible situations, um, maybe prostitution just to feed herself. Um, she could be married off at that point just for somebody that will take her in, um, which we call that human trafficking. <laughs> um, right. Uh, 
they're, you know, even, even worse circumstances, um, trying to get an unsafe abortion so that she can stay in school and stay at home with her family. There has been a recent trend of these girls just, um, trying to commit suicide because all the other options are hopeless. So we really get into a lot of, it's not just a teen pregnancy, um, there are a lot of other critical, um, hopeless situations that that happen with these girls and these families. Yeah. Once that happens, now how did you guys find yourself <clears throat> working in in such a uh, specific location and and uh, such a specific um, tribal group of, of the Maasai? Like, what? How did you get to that point? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I'll try to make a, a long story short. Um, it comes from my, my story. Actually, I was a teen, um, single mom. I got pregnant by my high school sweetheart, right. As I was graduating high school and turning 18 and had a really hard time. I ended up, we had a very difficult marriage and divorce Um, but I ended up really, you know, overcame that. I ended up as a nurse here in the States, got remarried, have a wonderful husband and and more kids and fast forward through, you know, about a decade. Um, as a nurse, I met my best friend. We met in nursing school. Her family had started another organization in the same town of Kilgoris, Kenya, and they build and support elementary school education. So they're working with little kids up to eighth grade. And when my best friend first got involved with, and this is her husband's family, so her in-laws, when she okay. first when she first started going to Kenya as a nurse and came back and showed me their lack of health care. Um, so this was a decade ago. This was 2009, 2010. Um, she started going over with her family, her husband's family, and um, came back showing me pictures of, you know, sick little kids and um, their lack of health care. And so I immediately was drawn to them. I was drawn to the uh-huh. area as a nurse. Um, and so I started going over on trips with her. And that turned into a a volunteer job for me and eventually into a staff position with that organization doing some working with their local health, health personnel and trying to get scholarships, get grants for clean water. We started a feeding program for the kids in the school, um, making sure they were getting deworming. So a lot of different nursing skills that I had as far as, you know, Mm -hmm. research and, um, and things like that. So through that, the Lord really started to, um, reveal to me this other issue that was going on with girls and teen pregnancy and what their outcomes were. And this whole issue around menstruation and all the difficulties that they have around menstruation. Um, people who know kind of the the landscape of all of Africa, really, and the difficulties that 
women and girls have with menstruation hygiene, with supplies, with shame, any developing country, really. Um, Every part of a girl's period is difficult, even down Mm -hmm. to disposal of products. And that was something that I really had to navigate with the students in, in the schools there. And so I really got my eyes opened to all these types of reproductive issues and um, contraception and um, nothing I ever had to deal with here. Um, And so one of the things that between my story and working with these young girls that the Lord had started to really weave our stories together Mm -hmm. and really grabbed me that I had grown up in a similar relational poverty that these girls did. Um, You know, these 50% of these girls aren't just going out and getting pregnant. Um, It's not recreation. More than 50% of these cases are coerced or rape situations. Mm. And, you know, and at least they're under 18, they're under 19. So how much can it really be consenting? Right. Um, So through that and learning that they go out and they have to prostitute themselves for cash to get basic supplies for their periods so they can go to school um, to get food. I never had to do that. Right. And, you know, I never um, had to face a lot of these things and, so through my time there and, and through all of this, it really, this crisis and what was happening with these girls and the fact that the fact that they were losing all hope for their futures, not being able to continue in school. And I wasn't okay with that. And I loved these people. I love these community, this community. And when my husband and I felt called away from the other organization. We really didn't know why at that point. We just knew we were done with that organization. We took about a year break and God gave us this vision of what flourish was supposed to look like. We did, it didn't have the baby didn't have a name at that point. Um, yeah. But then it did. And we started stepping through what that would look like and started talking with some of our friends that we had still back in Kilgoris uh, about this. And it, it birthed from there. And one of my questions is usually how do, how do organizations differentiate? And it's not a question of like, how do you separate yourself from other organizations so that donors will choose you over them? It's more of a question of like, how did, how did you, how 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 do you create uniqueness to your ministry, um, or how did how did you cr- come up with this uniqueness to your ministry specific to your passions? And I think that that's um, it sounds like from from what you're telling me something that was very guided by the Lord. Like he, it's it's not something you set out to do. It's something that he kind of like landed you in and and placed you guys in. Hey, here's some work that I'm doing based on your passions and skills. I want you to kind of fit into what I'm already doing in this, in this space. Yeah, totally. I mean, we never, um, never set out to do this for sure. And, um, 
never intended on starting a nonprofit. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's for sure. Also, I, I say all the time, I think if we knew everything that this was going to entail and, and what was going to happen, we would have said no. Um, but, you know, it's been wonderful and, and we've been stretched and, and grown. Um, and we never, I never would have thought that my past story and, and what I went through and, and grew up would have led us to this or that would end up helping girls on the other side of the world that any part of that would happen. Um, or this would be That's an so outcome. cool how he, how he takes something from our past and turns it into good. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. So obviously with, with growing an, an organization like this and based on what you've said already, it sounds like there's been some hard lessons and challenges and struggles that you guys have had to overcome. Have you, as you've built this ministry, what have been some of those hard lessons that you've gone through in the development of Flourish Kenya? Um, yeah, I think anytime you are working with people really, you know, ministry, it is ministry. And, um, you know, we've had this, like, we just want to help these girls in Kenya. We want to help the youth in Kenya. Um, and for sure didn't realize all that was going to be involved in that. And, um, the, the marketing and the social media and the websites and the fundraising and, um, you don't, realize that that's going to be a part of it all. And I used to stop my feet quite a bit, and even with God and say, I just want to help the girls. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be a manager. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to know how to do social media stuff. I don't, you know, I don't want to be an accountant. And, um, and he just kind of has always been like, yeah, okay. You know, that's funny. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Pull up your big girl pants and keep going. (laughs) Um, So there's been challenges in that. There's been challenges in not knowing um, how to do things and and having to be really expand our knowledge and um, and we don't we don't just have all the money to to hire those people and pay those people to do that. And and we are surrounded with incredible supporters that do offer their services. Um, But, you know, one of those lessons is too, that nobody's really ever going to be as passionate as you are about your mission. And you will get those few people that, that are, and that come alongside of you. Um, But they're still, it's your baby and it's your thing. And at the end of the day, you're the one who's driving it and making it happen. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to, you know, do the webinars on accounting and, and figuring it out. Um, so that that's probably the, you know, a personal challenge and um, working on the other side of the world as much as we've, known this community and known this culture and been immersed in it for so long. We just, we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And 
the cultural sensitivity and the learning and communication it just as two separate you know on the other side of the world in completely different upbringings and there's so much that is just so incredibly different and people who aren't who go into this who aren't aware of that um, and who think that is it's you know it's one of my biggest pet peeves but it's also one of my biggest struggles to remember that just because we're here and we're American and um, you know our education was different or we made it further in our education and we have the resources that we have that that we don't have it all figured out and we don't know what's best in every situation. Um, and so taking that time to listen to the people that you're working with and you're working for and defaulting to them in most cases, almost all cases is best. Um, yeah. You know, we really, we have an entire team in Kenya. We have a, a full board of directors. We have full, our only paid staff and full-time staff is in Kenya. And a lot of people who have organizations that are in both places, they're, you know, maybe their U S board of directors is not okay with that because of maybe financial oversight or um, management. But we've really, we've surrounded ourselves with people here who are okay with that (laughs) because they, they're there doing the hard work and, They've lived there and they know their community and their culture and, um, and it's just not the same. Um, and so as much as it is a challenge, you have to take that time and it's not easy and it is really hard, especially surrounding these sensitive topics. When you talk about sexuality, um, it's not easy and you just have to dig in and listen mm-hmm. and submit to the fact that we we don't have all the answers and we don't know it all. <laughs> and, you know, we really have to learn from each other and really be partners. Well, I mean, based on what you've said so far and some of the stuff you've shared offline, how long have you guys been around as an organization? We're in our fourth year as Flourish. Okay. So relatively young organization, right? And yes. and I think I see a lot in the ministry space organizations that are um you know 10, 20, 30 years into ministry and they're just now realizing, "Oh hey, uh it may not be the most effective way to do things uh, of taking our western way of doing mm-hmm. things and applying them in a culture completely and entirely different than ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's something based on what you've said so far, it sounds like you guys have, have been really uh, conscious about and, and making sure that um, like uh, you said, all of your partners are, are nationally based partners. You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of staff on this side. It doesn't sound like every, everybody that you work with is from Kenya, from Kenya, working mm-hmm. in Kenya, knows that they know the culture, they know the, um, the nuances and, and specificities of that culture. Uh, so to be so young and to, 
be applying those principles at such a young age for a ministry, um, I think is uh, really wise on your guys' part. And so how was that something that you took from the organization you were working with before you started Flourish? Like, hey, we we learned that that's how we want to run things with our organization. And, and so um, had a lot of wisdom coming out of volunteering for them as you started Flourish Kenya? Or how did you get to the point where um, like you, you knew that that was something that you needed to take seriously uh, and, and, and structure your organization in a way um, that, that. Yeah, I think it's, it definitely that, that base came from um, the other organization we worked with um, in the, in the area, um, which is, I definitely would it promote them. They're, the Kilgoris project. Um, and so that, that base came from them. And I think it also just came from, um, a lot of learning. We, we really took our first one to two years, our first, you know, couple years as flourish and dug into our foundation um, mm-hmm. did a lot of studying, a lot of reading um, on different organizations, different models. Not, I mean, we we knew the base of our model and had figured out our core values, but really wanted to live those and and do do good better, um, you know, and and looked at things that necessarily weren't. Um, places where aid work is done and, and ministry is done that isn't necessarily done the best way. And, um, and looking at a, you know, the, the church as a whole and, and realizing that like, we're, we're all, we're all people, we're all humans. We're, we're all in this together. And, um, let's learn from mistakes of the past and collaborate with other organizations. You know, we're huge on that. Um, working together with what and promoting each other and what we can do together better. Um, you know, we don't have to reinvent, reinvent the wheel on everything. Some things we do, mm-hmm. some things that even though we've done it the same way or every or- organization does the same way is not the best way to do it. Yeah. So let's figure out how to do it a better way. And, and really, I think too, it, it was the, the deep respect and love that we have for the people that we work with in Kenya and, and realizing like, you know, they're intelligent people. They're yeah. capable people. They're farmers. You know, they're work, hard workers. There's there's no reason that they can't do any of this. They don't need us to come in and do it. How can we, I mean, just in our name, how can they flourish and grow and thrive? What can we offer them that they can they can grow and thrive in life. And what can they offer us? I mean, we learn just as much from them. Um, yeah. True partnership. Yeah. Now, wh- within that, what are you guys doing to communicate the stories of how God is moving through Flourish Kenya uh, to s- your donors and supporters? Like, 
you obviously have learned a lot. There's there's a lot of stories within the, what you guys are doing that you can share with your donor base. There's a lot of that education, those education pieces. That, I mean, just listening to you talk, there's so many opportunities in, in my mind of how you could be educating your donor base on, on the things that you guys are learning just culturally, mm-hmm. um, just to be in com- communication with that donor and support base on a consistent basis. So what does that kind of look like for you guys as you have as you said, learning all these new things that you didn't know you're going to have to learn going into ministry, what does it look like to storytell and market for Flourish Kenya? Yeah, we're probably not the best, to be honest. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, we are on social media, um, we're Instagram and, and Facebook. And we, so we try to keep up with that and, and sharing that way. And a way that we've gone a little deeper, I personally have become passionate about donor engagement and figuring out how to not only engage with our donors, but appreciate our donors. I think mm-hmm. that's come from a place of just early on and these past, you know, these beginning years, these baby years of scraping every penny and Truly, when $25 comes in, it is so helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And wanting those people to know that, you know, these beginning supporters, like your money is truly appreciated. And, um, and so I've really tried to look at other organizations and how they appreciate and engage. And, and so this past year, we've started um, a couple I, I like to call them clubs, um, giving clubs. And so we have one that is a monthly, um, any, any supporter that gives any amount monthly, we have them on a, an email list and we'll give them every month a brief update about what's going on in Kenya. And, and so those people are kind of our, our um, keep the lights on. Um, mm-hmm. their money goes to our salaries in Kenya, um, our educational needs funds, whether that's, you know, the menstrual pads, um, curriculum needs, things like that. And so we'll send them just a couple, couple paragraphs of what happened that month, an updated little picture. Um, and then quarterly, they are offered a, a financial update to see where their money's been going for that accountability and and transparency. And then, yeah. uh, And and then we've got a majority of our U S board members are all within the same location. And so of course we pull in our network of people who are supporters. So we do a twice a year, just little gathering of, um, just a dinner, provide them a little dinner. Let's hang out and talk. You can ask questions or, you know, just fellowship just to get that face-to-face time. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not, we're not big time. Me and my husband as co-founders, you know, we're not like these big time people in New York city or anything. We're just here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will be someday. I don't know, but Right now, we can give people that face to face. Like these, these are the people who are running this organization that you're giving your money to. So, if we can give them that face to face time, then I think that's really important. 
Um, yeah. So that's our, our, our one monthly club. And then for our sponsors who actually sponsor students, then they get something similar. Um, every, every break that the, the student has, which they get a, like a, around a quarterly break from school where they go home and our staff, yeah, our staff does a follow-up with them. They go to the home, you know, spend a couple hours, they do an academic check, um, see how everything is going at home, things like that. So then we will send that sponsor, um, a little update via email you know, how they did in school, what's going on. We've given them the warning of, you know, it's like, we're going to send you the good, bad and ugly. Like these kids live tough lives. And so Mm -hmm. it might, it might not, not always be a shining glowing. They're doing great, but we're working with them. You know, somebody's there. We have a social worker who who's there. Um, And then a little picture. So I really think, you know, it's, if you're sending your money to an organization, especially since we're new, um, to have that, that follow-up of like, this is what, where my money is going, Mm -hmm. um, is important. So, and so we do that for the two, for those two. And then we have a quarterly email that we send out to just our general email list of here's what's been happening. So obviously within how you guys are communicating with your donor base and how you're structured working with your partners in country, there's a, a serious level of, um, like you believe in, in partnership at, at the core of, of who you guys are as an organization. And so what does that look like? Um, how, how has that shifted? You said in the beginning or early on in the conversation that you, um, had to learn a lot of things. You kind of stomped your feet with some of the things you didn't want to learn or didn't think you were going to have to um, learn. I know for me personally, fundraising was like my, I'm not going to do that. I do not want to be a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I'll do this ministry, Lord, but I will not fundraise. And now, over the years, he just kind of graciously like put his arm around the shoulder and said, that's hilarious, Zach. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that that's funny that you believe that, but we're going to get you there. Don't sure. worry. Uh, and, and now my mindset around fundraising is very much more of like, I get to, even though it's still difficult and it's still uncomfortable and I, I struggle with it, asking people to help and support what we're doing. Uh, the, the idea of inviting people into partnership in kingdom work and giving them an opportunity to invest their funds in, in kingdom work rather than something else that they could put their money towards. Um, is a really cool opportunity in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's, it's like truly reshaping my mindset around this is, it, this is truly partnership, not um, coming at it from a beggar mentality. And so mm-hmm. um, is that something that you guys kind of had to work through as you have built up your, your donor development strategies and your fundraising and your marketing, all those things that kind of go towards, finding funds to support the work that you're doing um, or like, what does that kind of shift look like for you as an organization and, and specifically you, Krista leading this thing? I think we're, we are still working through that. Um, you know, we have some of us that as far as us board and, and Kenya board and inside of things that are 
Some of us are super comfortable with it and some of us just aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've gotten, I was the same way. I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to fundraise. I don't want to ask people for money. <laughs> I was that same way. Like, let me, let me bring other people in who are comfortable. Um, and so I've gotten more comfortable. I wouldn't say it is my gift or now I'm like, yes, I will go ask anybody. Um, still not your favorite thing to do. <laughs> still not my favorite. I mean, I will, yeah, I will share the stories and I will go and I will talk and I will share my story and um, I will love on people and, and, you know, appreciate them once they're giving us money. <laughs> that's, that's easy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> donor, donor care post a yes from a donor is a lot easier than, than donor development pre- someone saying yes. Right, right. That's the easy part. Um, so it's still something that we're, um, we are growing in. And, um, and so I am so much more the relational side. And I know that um, fundraising and getting donors is very relational. So mm-hmm. when it comes to that, I, I am better at the let me cultivate this and ask for money. Um, then the, the, like I'm going in, you know, this is the, this is the first touch. <laughs> I'm I've going in this and person asking, in my life. And I'm right. going to preface this conversation, the, this coffee conversation with, Hey, I need funds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like this is your one shot. You're going in to get it. Yeah. So those are not my wheelhouse. Now I've got, you know, my vice president is, that's her thing. She's like, send me in. And I'm like, that's you. Um, so, it, but I think that's different personalities and, yeah. um, you know, and so we all have to, we do, we all have to get to that point of the, the ask and how we're going to do that. So, um, and it's tough. It's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's it, we have gotten to, you know, get our board the training that they need to do the ask and different ways to do that. And, um, so it's part of it. Yeah. A learning process for sure. Yeah. Now within that same vein of, of partnership, but slightly off topic, uh, you talk, you talked off the line about a topic, um, this idea of collaboration and supporting other organizations. And that, mm-hmm. uh, I shared with you has been like top of mind for me a lot lately. Um, what does that look like for Flourish Kenya? How are you guys partnering with other organizations? Um, how are you coming alongside and and sharing what you're great at, maybe in the locations they're working in, inviting other organizations to do what they are focused on within your communities that you're supporting and, and serving? Um, what does that kind of look like for Flourish Kenya? Yeah, we, um, you know, one of, from the very beginning, one of our foundational um, ideals and, uh, has been partnership, um, not only in how, like I spoke about how we interact between cultures and, and with our staff, but with Mm -hmm. other organizations and, um, collaboration and, and supporting the kingdom. Um, like, you know, we are 
all working for the same goal and all in this together Mm -hmm. and operating from a place of abundance. um, And that, you know, the, the Lord has all the resources. Um, We don't have to be in competition. We had, you know, we've, we've really, we've seen since being in this nonprofit sector that even nonprofits and ministries can be really ugly to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and that there's like this competition for resources of either like people or money grants, you know, like relationships. Um, And it just, it baffled me. It's like, you know, not my nature for one. And then when you just look biblically and, um, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. You know, we're, we're all, we're all doing the same thing and just within different gifts and abilities. And, um, so why would we not support each other? Um, you know, if you get that donor that I don't get like, good for you, like, let's celebrate that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if, as Zach, if if I tell you about Flourish Kenya, but I also tell you about this another, you know, why not tell you about this another incredible ministry or, or tell you about the Kilgoras Project that's also working in Kenya? And, um, you know, maybe God hasn't pulled you to Flourish Kenya. You know, maybe you are mm-hmm. really interested in in fighting human trafficking in the U.S. or you are interested in Kenya, but it's with primary school kids and, and developing their brains when they're little. Um, you know, why not? It's not, it's not taking anything away from me. It's not taking anything away from flourish. So it's, you know, it's really changing that. And it is hard. Even me having that mindset from very early on, I still will find myself with that little, you know, that little voice on one shoulder being like, oh, well, they're going to get that money or you know, they took that one. You could have had it. And it's like, no, it, so it's still a battle. Um, and I think we just have that, that nature in us of competing or, you mm. know, a, a scarcity mindset that comes up of if they have, then we don't have. And that's not how God operates. It's not how the kingdom operates. And if we were all open-handed and shared all of our resources and team together, what could we really do? Um, I think, especially in today's climate in the U S especially perfect example of how divided we are. Um, the, the people who are, are really fighting and, and forming nonprofits and ministries and out there doing the work, we can't be divided. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to, we have to get together in as, as many ways as we could. And one of the best books that I read on this, that just really hits it all home and, and hits to how we, how we do this to each other all the time is, um, um, rooting for rivals Yeah. with, uh, Peter Greer. Um, you know, he, Chris they Forst. put out, yes, they put out amazing stuff and, um, yeah. That book is is great on how to get past those those feelings that come up and 
and change <laughs> that around. So that was really great for us to read. I actually um, got it for all of our board and staff to read, to change that mindset, um, you know, and how we were going to operate as an organization. And, now, and have share. You, have, as you guys have, have pursued partnership with other organizations, has there, have you found pushback and a difficulty to move forward in that type of work together? Sometimes, um, sometimes it's a little bit of a, a hurdle of what our motivations are. Um, but mostly other organizations that we have encountered are open-handed. Um, they've also read rooting for rivals. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. Um, And there's, there's lots of variables, right? There's, there is, you might have an idea to, you know, you, you, there's a need for water in, in the village that you're working with. And instead of doing water yourself, you try to go find an organization that is good at water mm -hmm. and you try to bring them in and they just aren't, don't have the resources to add a new location to where they're working. Um, Right. So there's, there's other variables at play than just, um, you know, we should all be partnering because we're all the body of Christ and we should all be doing the same work because we all have the same end goals. Um, sure. But, yes. but at this, at the same time, I think that there is a lot of, I think it's just good to have this discussion with across ministries and, and get this idea out there as much as possible. Rooting for Rivals is a great book for that. And, um, just the discussion of what it could look like for organizations to partner together, do what they're good at, invite others to, to do what they're good at and focus on like function like the the body of Christ mm-hmm. is called the function uh, within scripture and, and not just do that within the church, but do that within the parachurch space as well. And um, how much more effective we could be if we did that. And there's, there's a lot of examples rooting for rivals points to a couple examples of how that was done well um, for some other organizations, uh, crew and intervarsity partnering together. Yeah. Uh, Why cliff and, another Bible translation organization partnering together. Um, there's examples of how much more effective we can be when we, you know, stop fighting for the same donor funds and come together. Sure. But uh, I think it's a, it's a topic. A lot of ministries need to have uh, more on the forefront of their minds than maybe we do right now, mm. um, because we could be a lot more effective for the kingdom than, than we are uh, if we, you know, partner together and, and did work together. Uh, more effectively. Yeah, so. definitely. And every, and, and like you said, every, every situation doesn't work out, but we, right. can be, we can be friends and we can root for each other for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I think we have one time for one more question. I want to, I want to get this in because I'd love to hear how you guys are doing this. How are you guys uh, working discipleship into your programs? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even if you're not a, like, a crew is a discipleship making focused organization, mm-hmm. whereas you guys have more of a, a a different bent, maybe as your primary goal. But what does that look like to work discipleship into the work that you guys are doing? Yeah. So, and you know, having a sexual and reproductive health program, um, it that is it does not look like our sex ed in the U.S. or um, you know even when we were in school. Um, it is 
done for them. It's custom for Kenya. And so our, our positives there is that we are allowed to bring a gospel message to that. Um, Mm. but we are not, we are very much a hybrid in our curriculum. So that the curriculum is based off of scripture and it's John 1 14. And that's the word became flesh and we have seen his glory, um, the glory of Jesus as the son. And he came both, I'm paraphrasing, um, but he came both full of grace and truth. And Mm -hmm. so we, we take that grace of, you know, these are teenagers. They are made just like we are. All of us are made the same. Um, They're full of hormones and they're going through puberty. Um, And they have the same grace from Jesus as the rest of us. But Mm -hmm. there's also the truth side um, of science and in within those hormones and all of those things that happen to us, that there's a, there are scientific, um, mental, emotional, um, spiritual effects of, um, like relationships and sex outside of marriage. Um, so we've kind of taken this, this balance of Jesus and, that is our our message that we have brought to this that is outside of a full faith-based abstinence-only message. Um, mm-hmm. All that to say is when people hear we're faith-based and we do a sexual, a, a sex ed program, it's automatically put together that we're abstinence-only. Um, Mm. and so if we say, no, we're not, um, you know, it's, then it goes to the other extreme of, okay, you know, a a comprehensive sex ed that is sweeping our world now. Um, right. And so we're, we're neither of those. We are that hybrid of, um, kind of bringing the two together. And, and so it's, it's really an incredible curriculum. It's an incredible message, um, away from a, which is a whole nother podcast (laughs) interview, (laughs) um, away from a abstinence only shame filled, um, teaching on that curriculum. Yeah. And Mm. away from our very, um, liberal conservative um, side that two we're sides, at. two extreme sides. Yes. Yeah, I'm from California, so we see the very far left side of that spectrum. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Where we're at. Yeah. So it's it's like um, the, it's the best way that we can describe it is is really that the truth and the grace without being on either extreme. Interesting. As, mm-hmm. Now, is that a curriculum that you guys put together or were using from another organization or did you partner with your partners in country to kind of develop that? What did that kind of look like? Yeah. So we fully put it together um, and wrote it. It's 
um, all the requirements of what a, a sexual and reproductive health curriculum is supposed to be from um, the Kenya um, Ministry of Education and Health has to have. Okay. Um, and it was put together by um, myself as a, as a nurse. Um, also, nurses from, we have nurses on our board of directors in, in Kenya. We have pastors and educators um, from Kenya. So we have all accumulated and, and put it together and written it specifically for Kenya youth. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's impressive if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so the discipleship, back to your original question, the discipleship is comes from that. Um, it is very much faith based with the scientific piece in it in how we were all created. Um, mm-hmm. So they do get that God's design. Um, for your body and your creator, you were created. This is your identity. Um, so discipled through that and relationship. Um, it's not a, it's not a one-time class or a one-time seminar. These kids are really discipled from our educators. They get comfortable with them and able to ask questions. Um, we do a camp every year that they come to, to get more of that, uh, fellowship, discipleship to go deeper into that, those relationships and, and to gather more information. And then as, as they, like, as you see life change within that, what is there follow up to the curriculum? What does that kind of look like? You've mentioned a sponsorship program. How does, mm-hmm. how does, the, how do those pieces all work together? And this, the sponsorship program, that piece is, mo- so most of those sponsorship uh, students that we have are girls that we've know that we know in the community that our leaders know in the community. They also become a part of any of the our education program activities. They go to camp. They bring younger siblings and friends to our programs. Um, their parents become a part of like an, an adult discipleship. So our our leaders and pastors that are on our board work with the families, the adults in the family. Oh, cool. Um, is we really, we only have five kids in our sponsorship program at this, this year. This is our second year doing it. And the intention is to keep it on smaller levels so that we can go deeper with the family. Mm-hmm. And we're not just paying school fees and sending a kid to school. Yeah. Um, so that we are working with them to improve the quality of life for the entire family. Um, so most of them live in the vicinity of one of our board members in, in Kenya that okay. can, you know, go take them to their church, do follow-ups um, and, and things like that. So discipleship definitely comes in there in that connection. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Krista, this has been really great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for, for being on the show. Um, Can I pray for you and flourish Kenya real quick? 
Absolutely. Father, I just lift up Krista and Flourish Kenya as, as she leads and guides this organization. I uh, pray that you would give her clear direction and guidance and um, just a, a continued vision for where you want to take this organization and take her and her husband and, and their whole team. Uh, Father, you're obviously um, working and moving and uh, already at work ahead of where they're going. And I uh, pray that they just follow you clearly and uh, pray that you would continue to um, work through Flourish Kenya in amazing ways. Jesus, lift the organization up to you and um, pray um, that they would find the funding that they need to continue growing and, and support the programs that they have. Lord, we just uh, lift them up to you and thank you for them, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Krista, if people want to get a hold of you and learn more or ask questions about how you guys are structuring things, how can they do so? Um, so flourishkenya.org is our website. We are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Flourish Kenya. Um, email is info at flourishkenya.org um, are all great ways to do that get in touch with us. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And, and thank you for everything that, that you're doing and your organization's doing. Hey, you're welcome. We're, we're happy to help and provide any value that we can. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.